And I invite you just to pray with me as we begin. Heavenly Father, this morning we have worshipped you, we have prayed to you, and now God we open your word to hear from you. So may you speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm a sucker for before and after pictures. Have you seen some of those maybe on Instagram or Facebook, before and after pictures? I see a few nods that good. I was feeling really lonely really quickly there. I love before and after pictures. You get to see a change. You get to see something that's different, whether it's like renovation, before and after pictures, or different things. I brought some pictures today, especially because a young lady came up to me today, and she said, Pastor Matt, you need something more in your sermons. And I said, what is it? And she said, you need more pictures. Well, your wish has been granted today because I have pictures today. Are you ready for some pictures? Okay, all right. Here's uh, some pictures. The, the, one, of the, one of the categories is the first day of school pictures. Uh, if you're a parent that likes, likes to post things on Facebook or Instagram and you need more content, on the first day of school, you put your kid in front of the front door of your house and you get the little chalkboard out and it says the, the, the grade that they're going into and the date and you take the picture. Do, you, do some of you guys do that? Raise your hand if you do that. Oh, you guys are like this. Like, yep, that's me, Pastor Matt. You nailed me. Here's, here's a before picture. This is the first day of school. Here you go. Look at this cute girl. She's nervous. You see her foot kind of off to the side, a little nervous going to school. Got her tie all straight hair. Bow is perfect. Are you ready for the after picture? Here's the after picture. <laughs> Poor girl. She had a rough day at school. Hair is disheveled. One sock is sliding down like MC Hammer. She's got her unicorn backpack just off to the side. It's been a tough day. Here's another first-timer. Here he is. Look at this guy. He is raring to go. He looks like a first-grader to me. Tie a little bit long. He can grow into it. He's got his lunchbox. He's got his Converse on. He is ready to go. Here's the after picture. You ready? There it is. Oh, poor buddy. Shirt untucked. He's being brave. He's still got kind of a smile on there. His tie's all messed up. He's missing a shoe. And if you look closely, the one shoe he does have is on the wrong foot. <laughs> All right, so uh, you have first day school pictures. That's fun. There's some other good pictures of before and afters, especially like haircut pictures. So there's this barber out in L.A. He's been a barber for 14 years. His name is Jason, Jason Sneedman. And one of his favorite things to do is to go out to the streets of L.A. and find, home, find homeless people and he asks if they want a haircut and he cuts it for free. It's part of his business model. And there he is, there he is, right there. That, I don't think that guy's homeless. He's got a, a, a messy man bun, so I don't know if you can, if you're homeless if you got that, although I kind of think you look homeless. Oh, sorry, if you have a man bun, it's okay. So Jason, he goes out there and he takes before and after pictures as well. In fact, here's one of those pictures. Look at this guy. He's a good looking man, he needs a haircut. Here's the after picture. Look at that. And what I love about these pictures is you can see not only a change in their hair, but you can see a change in their attitude. You just see it on his face. He's proud of what he looks like. Here's another one. This guy's got a lot of hair. He does not trust that camera for sure. Here's the after picture. Look at that guy. Completely different. Completely changed. All right, here's, here's the last homeless guy. This guy, again, you can see the distrust of what's happening, and he needs a haircut. Here's the after picture. Look at that. Man, what a good-looking guy. He's got, his, he's got his shirt buttoned up and collared. Everything looks good. It's, it's crazy to see the change. 
Another kind of before and after picture that I love so much are the weight loss pictures. You guys ever look at those? And, and you, I don't believe hardly any of them because it's always different angles and like, you know, the before pictures look, and then the after picture is, right? Yeah, so here's, here's look, don't look too much of this. Yeah, it's a little too much flesh on the screen for me. But look at this guy, he lost like 300 pounds. Let's go to the next picture before someone's triggered here. Next picture. Ah, this is my friend. You may know her, her name is Bridget Massengill. I have permission to share this today, by the way. She, um, not just because she posted on Facebook, although I feel like that should be right. So you can, if it's a public, you should take it. But I asked her and she said it was fine. She, uh, her husband is Chris Massengill. He's the chaplain at College Dale Academy up in College Dale, Tennessee. She is a, basically a city planner for the city of Chattanooga. Like she dreams and casts vision of what the city can be. She's an incredible leader. She and her husband recently went on this journey together of weight loss. And you can see the difference, like just an incredible difference. It's fun to see the differences. The after pictures tell the story of what has happened. There's before and after pictures, and I know we won't take the whole sermon to just show pictures, although we could. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? Maybe next week? I'm just kidding. Look at, look at this historical picture. You know that place, Mount St. Helens, uh, the before and after. The, it doesn't even look the same. The top and the side of the mountain blew off of that one. But this next picture is the one that is pretty shocking to me. Look at that guy. Abe the Babe. <laughs> The first picture is on the day of his inauguration. The second picture is near the end of the Civil War. And you can tell the stress wore on him. All of these pictures, they show one thing. They show one story. And it's a change from where they were to where they are. It's the change from what it used to be to where they are now. Something happened. Something they experienced changed them forever. They, the after picture tells the testimony. And isn't that what a testimony is? It tells of a life change that happens when you experience Jesus from where you used to be to where you are now. A testimony of what he has done for you. And today I pray that as we look at this story, that you will be challenged to go deeper with Jesus so that your testimony grows in your heart and so that you live it in every moment of every day. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open to Acts chapter 4 with me. If you don't have a Bible, that is okay. There is a blue Bible in front of you, and you can follow along on page 773. I love the book of Acts. It is raw, real Christianity lived out as a movement of people do their best to follow Jesus. There's no tradition. There's none of that side garbage. It's just people trying to get to know Jesus. I love it. And at this point in the story, the church, the global Christian church, is about 3,000 members, which means that at this point in the story, the global Christian church is smaller than the Forest Lake Church. Paul, uh, excuse me, Peter and John, they're heading into the temple. They go past one of the gates, and there on the side is this crippled man. He's lame. He's been lame for his whole life. And as they walk past this guy, he, he, he calls out to them. He says, hey, do you have any money? And so he, he puts his hand, P Peter puts his hand down, and he says, take my hand. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. The guy jumps to his feet and begins to dance and leap and praise God for what has just happened. And as this commotion is happening, all the people begin to gather around saying, I've seen the difference. The guy used to be sitting on a mat and he couldn't move, and now he's alive and jumping and praising. And as this worship service is happening, uh, 
Peter and John realize this is the opportunity to share the testimony of Jesus and they begin to preach the gospel. And people are crowding around and they're telling the story of Jesus. Well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the temple guards, they're not gonna have any of this. And so they grab Peter and they grab John and they throw them in prison overnight. The next morning, they begin to talk to them. And that's where we pick up our story. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Here's what my Bible says. Verse 7 says this. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness showed to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He says, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to, a man, to mankind by which we must be saved. Are you kidding me? Y'all realize what's happening? I mean, these are the re top religious leaders of the day. And Peter and John are boldly telling them what's up. I mean, that's like you and me going to the Vatican and walking up to the Pope and telling him off or why he's wrong. That's like you or I heading over down 436, taking a right on 434, going past Target and Home Depot and Costco, and we take a left and we go into the conference office, the Florida conference office, and we barge our way past the receptionist and we go right over to Alan Machado, our conference president's office, and we say, listen here, Alan, here's what I have to tell you. I mean, that takes some boldness. And, and, I, and I wonder sometimes, I wonder if this is what's really lacking in church. I'm not talking Forest Lake Church. I'm talking about Methodists and Baptists and, and Episcopalians and every denomination ever. I wonder if the problem with the church is a lack of courage and a lack of boldness. I wonder if the problem is, is that we're scared. We're scared to share the testimony of Jesus. We're scared to say, who, say what it really is. We're afraid that our, our friends might think we're weird or that our family might reject us or cancel us. We're afraid, and so because we're scared, we don't do anything. This past week, I met with a wonderful couple that's some of our church members, and they, they said, Pastor Matt, we've got a burden on our heart, and God's doing something, and he's, he's pushing us to do something. And I said, tell me more, because this is what God does as he works in churches. He talks to people's hearts, and then they do something. They react to it, and they said, here's what we want to do. We want to have a small group. We want to have a Bible study in our home and we're so excited about it. And I said, this is wonderful. Tell me more. And they said, well, we have a start date. We're, we're figuring out. We're going to invite some of our church friends, but we're also going to invite some of our neighbors so that they can understand God. And, and I said, this is great. And they said, we're so excited about hosting them and having food, but we aren't going to do the Bible study. That's scary. Pastor Matt, what, what if they ask us a question that we don't know the answer to? And I said, I understand what you're saying because I've been there before but I believe with every part of my heart that if God gave you a voice, it's so that you can praise the name of Jesus wherever you are. And if you praise his name, he'll go with you, he'll go before you, he'll go after you to make sure that it makes sense to whoever you're talking to. That's the calling of our church. In fact, somebody puts it this way. They put it this way on the screen here. God doesn't call the equipped. 
God call, equips the called. And you are called. You are chosen. You're the people of God, the family of God that's called for one purpose, to bless others and share the gospel message. Let's be bold like Peter and John. Let's have the courage that they had. Let's share our testimony. And you know what happens when you share your testimony? Let's read about it. Verse 13. Acts 4 verse 13. Here's what happens as Peter and John share their testimony. It says this. When they, that's the, the, the officials, the religious people, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, pause for a second there, if they saw their courage, it makes me think that Peter and John also were scared, but because of God's power in them, they pushed past the fear and they were courageous. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So powerful, unschooled, ordinary men. They don't have a theology degree. They haven't been to Andrews in the seminary and have their master of divinity. They, they don't know the books of the Bible all the way through. They can't, definitely can't recite the 23rd Psalm or tell the Ten Commandments in order. They're unschooled, ordinary men, and the people saw that and knew that they had been with Jesus. Man, if I could have one thing known about me, it would be that when people are with me, they know that I've been with Jesus. And if people know that when they're with me that I've experienced Jesus, then my job on earth is done. Because that's why you're here, and that's why I'm here. That every minute of every day, every moment, every breath that you take is, is sharing and living the gospel. That's why we are here. It's to share our testimony. What I love about our church is that you see the value of testimony too. In fact, it was really cool to read through the over 500 responses from a survey that we took as you talked about testimony. I'm going to read some of them to you. Here's what you said. You said, testimony is incredibly important because it is sharing the good and the bad and how God uses both to bring us closer to him even when we have failed him. That's cool. That's not a blueprint for a testimony. It's for the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, the, that you've been close to Jesus your whole life or you've drifted far from him your whole life. It's the testimony, it's the after picture that means the, that, that's the testimony. It's where you've come from. It's what your experience looked like. Here's one, I love this one. Testimony is living your beliefs before publishing them. Man, if somebody knew who you were before you said who you were, then you win. Here's the next one. Somebody says this. Testimony is actually having a personal story with Jesus, not just being a cultural Adventist who checks all the typical boxes, but be converted of heart. Oh, I can resonate with this one. I mean, how long, how many people have come to church because it's what you think you're supposed to do? Or, or uh, you come because of your friends. It's a cultural thing. It's what you do. This person says, what about the, the heart conversion? Last week, I got a, a phone call to Debbie. She's our receptionist. She's, she's great. I love Debbie. And I guess it might have been two weeks ago. And the, the person on the other side said, hey, has Pastor Matt read what I gave him? And so she took the message, and then she came into my office, and she said, hey, uh, I got this phone call from George Shaw. I don't know if George is here today. He's a good dude. He, uh, he's, a, he's an older church member. He's a great guy. And he, uh, he, the message was, 
has Pastor Matt read what I gave him? And as Debbie said these things, I thought, where did I put what he gave me to read? (laughs) I don't even remember what it looked like. So I started looking through my stack of papers, and I found it, which was a miracle, and I was so excited about it. And as I opened it and read it, it was about a a 10-page typed-out story. It's George's testimony of his experience with Jesus. And it shows his life from, from where he was to where he is now. And where he is now is so much different than where he was because he now understands what the gospel really looks like. He understands it. It's internalized. It's, he, he's not here as a church member because that's what he's supposed to do. It's because he's converted on the inside. He understands the gospel. And the last line in his long testimony, he says this, I just wish I had known these things at the beginning of my walk with Christ. The before and after, it's, it's real for him. It's internalized in his heart, and he'll never be the same because he understands the gospel. Here's another one. Somebody else says this. Testimony is telling others about how Jesus has changed your life. That's it. Here's the last one. This person says, Our testimony can only be lived out through a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. It's the overflow of that relationship that people see and experience. Isn't that what a testimony is? An overflow of a relationship that you have with Jesus? It's the excess. You're connected to him so much that it just pours out of you in everything. What you say, what you do, where you go, everything. Anybody that you meet, it's the overflow of that experience with him. Your testimony, it's this God-given internal discipleship piece that's made to create other disciples as you just share your love for Jesus and people latch on and they say, I want some of that. In fact, because this church believes in testimony so much, we're doing something that is church-wide so that we as a church can share the testimony of Jesus. And it's called Risen. You guys know about Risen? Ah... I did this at Warehouse a few minutes ago, and I said, if you've heard about Risen, give me a woo-woo. Can you do the same? Oh, okay. That's, that's, a, that's a solid 47%. I'm impressed. If you don't know Risen, maybe you've heard of Sunrise, which is up at Southern Adventist University in Collegedale. Uh, they do this passion play on Easter weekend, and it's, it's walking through the last hours of Jesus' life. We're going to do that here. What's neat is that uh, God won't let this idea fade away because we were supposed to do it two years ago and Satan said, mm-mm, watch this, here's some COVID and God won't let it die, so we're gonna do it and I believe it's gonna be fantastic. Uh, here's the thing. I believe that, that Risen will be a testimony for this church to the community that when people see this church, when they walk this campus, when they walk FLA's campus as, as this thing is massive, that they leave experiencing the gospel And they leave thinking, those people in that church, they have been with Jesus. They have been with Jesus. I I hope that you can be a part of Risen. Uh, I was asked to be a high priest, and I said, nope, I don't want to be the high priest. I want to be on the other end, at the end of of Risen, when people go through this whole thing, and they go through the crucifixion scene, and they they go through when Jesus rises from the grave, and at the end, they walk out, and I want to see those people from the community, and I want to go talk to them, and I want to say, hey, I'm Matt, and I'm here at this church, and, and I want to help you with your journey with Jesus, too. We need tons of people to make this happen. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people. It's the Forest Lake Church. It's the surrounding churches in the area. The conference is supporting this, and we need people that want to dress up in costumes, and people that don't want to and they want to be behind the scenes. 
We need old people. We need young people. We need all sorts of people. So if you can be a part of it, I encourage you to do it because it'll be a blessing. In fact, um, I believe that this piece of our church will, will make a stand in our community, that our church won't be known as the church across the street from the firehouse, that we won't be known as the church that holds up traffic on 436 on Sabbath, Saturday afternoon. I think that we will be known as the church that has been with Jesus. Guys, if I could look into the beyond of our church, I see more and more individuals and families sharing their testimony of their experience with Jesus with others. If I could look farther into the beyond, I would see intentionality of living the gospel in every minute of every day so that you can share Jesus with others. If I could look into the beyond of our church, I see more and more intention of, of uh, community activities that are centered around sharing the gospel message. If I could look into the unknown, into the beyond, I see our church being a group of people that have been with Jesus. One of my favorite parts of my job is giving Bible studies. I love it. Not that I like giving Bible studies, but I love to watch God move. And I get to see him move in people's hearts. And the Holy Spirit convicts them. And I watch their heart change right in front of my eyes. It's crazy. I watch God work. It's just the coolest thing ever. And over the last several months, I've gotten the privilege to know a lot of awesome people in our church um, that are moving towards decisions uh, to follow Jesus with their whole heart. And uh, one of my favorite Bible study lessons, you know, you got sanctuary and you got Sabbath and you got state of the dead. My favorite is the second coming. And at the end of the second coming lesson, I ask this question. I always ask this question, and it's simply this. If Jesus came today, would you be ready? And 99% of the time, I get the same answer. Whether it's somebody that's been in the Adventist church their whole life, or it's somebody that's a brand new Christian that doesn't even know Jesus fully yet, and they say these words, they say, no. And that gives me an opportunity to push them further and say, well, what would make you feel ready? And they say, well, well, I would feel ready if I didn't sin anymore. Uh, <laughs> which gives me another opportunity to talk about the gospel and the beauty of a God of the universe that loved us so much that he's decided to show his love for us in Jesus to us. And we talk about sin and we talk about sanctification, this lifelong journey with, with Jesus that as the more you fall in love with him, the more your life changes to look more like him. Uh, we talk about grace and what it looks like to be covered by the love of a Savior. We talk about it all. And it, sometimes my heart wants to explode because some of these people have never experienced the gospel ever in their lives. And I get to watch for the very first time as the light bulb comes on. And they say, I get it. In fact, one of these stories, one of these Bible studies, and I won't tell you who it is because they come to church every week. They might even be here somewhere. I won't tell you who it is, but I will say that this person pretty sure they are on the verge of making that lifelong commitment to follow Jesus as a disciple and be baptized. Just hold that thought. It's coming back. He shares this story with me, and it was a powerful story as we talked about the gospel. And he said, Matt, I get it. I think I understand it. And I said, yeah, tell me more. And he said, I used to own a Pontiac GTO. You guys know, if you know, those, those babies have some power. He said, it was it was beautiful, bright red, big engine, big block, nice transmission, big tires that were really grippy. And I said, tell me more. This is good. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he said, I only lost one drag race. And I said, oh, this gets better. I didn't even know. And he said, tell me about this story. And he said, I pulled up to a stoplight this one time, red light, 
I look over at the guy next to me, and he's got a busted car. Rusty, paint falling off, hubcaps missing, one light doesn't work in the back. It's junk. It's, a, it's an automatic win for me. Like, I've drag raced so many guys, this guy, nothing. So he looks over, and he gives the guy the nod, and the other guy nods back. So they sit there and wait, revving their engines a little bit. He said that as soon as the light turned green, before he could get his foot to the gas pedal, that rust bucket of a car was halfway down the block. <laughs> he said, Matt, this is what the gospel is. He says, that rust bucket of a car, it could barely go down the road without any help. It's falling apart. It's a piece of junk. Somebody took a beautiful motor and a beautiful engine, and they bolted it into that car, and they made that car far beyond anything you could ever think and imagine. He said, that's the gospel. I said, that's exactly what it is. Church, May we with boldness and courage share our testimony about a God who takes junk and fills it with beauty. May we live the gospel in every moment of every day so that people will know that that guy and that girl, they've been with Jesus.